0: Lock Talk Radio.
1: Driving on that man's wet
2: on the wheel. It's talking in circles. That's
1: the voice of my head that drives my heel.
2: With your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. My
1: baby calling till I need you
0: here.
2: And John Harlow. And
0: that's the half hour. Welcome to Talking Circles. Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow from com joins the show as well as co host here at Talking Circles. We're breaking down the Overton's 400 from the Pocono Raceway. Kyle Busch's 39th girl win, his first win in over a year. He passed his teammate Denny Hamlin in the closing, closing stages to get the victory. A, uh interesting day at Pocono. They had qualifying before the race, which changed things up a little bit. Uh, Bush took the pole as well and went on and won his 39th career race. Overall, John Harlow, it was a day full of strategy at Pocono, but a day that ended up with really the fastest race car going to victory lane in Kyle Busch. What were your thoughts on the Overton's 400 at Pocono Raceway?
2: Well, we've been saying for the past eight, ten weeks, Kyle Busch is going to win sooner or later. And he put on a show today. Um... Went out qualified first. He was fast in practice. He was fast all day. I mean, it was him and Truex for a while again. It was starting to look like Indy all over. But um, being at Pocono the second time around, knowing what the stages meant, how it worked, um, having the cautions in the first stage kind of changed things up a little bit, having strategy play out the way it did. And there was like four or five different strategies playing out. But Bush came back. I mean, he pitted later than most everybody else. And he was behind Harvick, Hamlin, and Truex and had to pass them all to get to the lead. And he was making up at least a second or two a lap whenever he first put those fresh tires on. And he was just coming through the field. He hit every lap traffic, uh, lap car at the right time to get by him with no problem. I mean, it was just a great day for that 18 car. There was nothing stopping it. I mean, he just pulled away. I mean, you think about it. From the last pit stop, he made with 25 laps to go. He was six seconds behind the leader, and he wound up winning by six seconds. So that's how good that car was today.
0: Especially on a longer run, I think. Um, they got a little behind on pit strategy, no doubt about it. Uh, they lost their clean air a little bit. But on the longer run, it seemed like that 18 car was just dominant today. Um, and it proved – Itself, like you said, you know, when he originally took four tires, I thought, well, that's really going to hurt them because they're going to lose, you know, if everybody else equals out. Why wouldn't you take two tires and sort of short, shorten your pit stop there and, and win the race that way? But they found something in that car, no doubt about it. At the end of that race, um, they were running lap times pretty similar to the guys on fresher tires with older tires on, and when they put the fresher tires on, they closed in and and really. You know, stalked their prey a little bit and won the race. A, a huge win for Kyle Bush. He's the 13th different winner this year. What do you think this does for this 18 team as far as momentum? Um, you know, we've seen Kyle catch wildfire a lot when he wins. He wins a lot. Um, what are your thoughts on this team as far as finally getting over the hump here? They've come so close so many times this year, but they've had a lot of stupid things come up. A lot of you know, at Dover they were doing really well and a feel, wheel fell off the race car, just stuff like that happening. Um, What do you think this win does for them As far as momentum goes for the rest of the year
2: I think this is the old Steve Young uh, From the Super Bowl Whenever they got the monkey off the back This 18 car Could have won six races Easy so far this year But they finally got their First one and like you said When Kyle Busch wins he wins in bunches And he's won at Watkins Glen Before he's tough at Bristol He's tough at Darlington And you think about how the chase is setting up and you look at who's led the most laps throughout the season. It's been him and Martin Truex Jr. And I can see easily this putting Bush setting him up for a chance to get to Homestead again. That car is working well. And one of the things you notice today as well is there was not a Chevy to be found. The first Chevy you see is Chase Elliott in 10th place. And that was a strategy move to get them there because nobody in the Chevy camp ran well at all today.
0: Hendrick Motorsports now is a little bit behind. We talked earlier in the year about how it was Team Penske and uh, Ganassi, the two teams that were really, and, and a 78 team, the two three teams that were really kind of out on their own island. Well, right now, Joe Gibbs Racing sort of right, in, right at that ship here. Uh, we've seen it, you know, Hamlin won at New Hampshire. Now Kyle Busch wins here. We've seen Kyle really have a lot of speed. They've outrun the 78 car the last two weeks at Indianapolis and Pocono. Um, but you're right about the Chevrolet. It? Now it looks like Hendrick Motorsports looks like where they were a year ago in the regular season where they just don't have the speed. Dale Earnhardt Jr. again finished 12th. Uh, Casey Kane, I know he won last week at Indianapolis, but he finished 11th today. Chase Elliott, like you mentioned, he was 10th. He really wasn't. A factor for a win here at Pocono before he spun out and crashed. Um, so yeah, I think the Chevrolets are behind. I think even the Fords are behind. Listen, Joey Logano didn't have a great day today. He wasn't very fast. I know he spent on pit road, and then when he came to um, to service speeding penalty, he came down pit road again too fast. He was going to come down, and he uh, hit the brakes and flat spotted his tires, and they had to pit, and then he had to pay his penalty again. So it was a disastrous round of pit stops for Joey Logano at the end of that race. But still, he wasn't very fast. Team Penske seems a little bit behind here now. because um, he finished fifth, but he wasn't great all day as well. So really right now it's the Toyotas. Um, we're, start, we're starting to see Stuart Haas racing, pick it up a little bit. That's one positive from the Ford camp. You have Harvick up there running in second. Uh, Boyer was in the top five all day long. But really the Toyotas, you even saw from Suarez, Eric Jones, Matt Kenseth, they all had solid days today. They're starting to figure it out here, Toyota, as we get ready to come to this chase.
2: Yeah, one of the interesting things was Kevin Harvick after the race pretty much saying Kyle Busch, he was the class of the field. He was fast, got the win, and whenever he talked about his performance, he said, we definitely have a little bit of work to do. They're getting closer, and they raced around the Toyotas all day, but they didn't have anything for him in the Ford camp, and Harvick and Clint Boyer both running well you look at Kurt Busch I mean he got 13th and he pretty much said we were we were locked in 15th all day he said there wasn't anything we could really do to get out of it a strategy call got him two positions but I mean the Ford right now there's nobody who seems to have anything for Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. when Larson isn't wrecking he's up there but that's about all there is to it. I mean, it's right now it's Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., and then the rest of the field.
0: Yeah, and it's funny that you say that about Larson. You know, he had a tough day today. Had a drive shaft fall out of his 42 car. They had to repair it. Lost several laps and ended up finishing somewhere around the 34th position if I had to put him at a uh, 33rd position, sorry, for Kyle Larson today. Um, not a great day for sure for that 42 car. You know, and, and McMurray had some issues in his rear end as well where he had to fix something in his car. He ended up 26, lost a lap or two at the end. But he was fast for most of the race and most of the practice sessions. Um, but we're starting to see that 42 team be human and we're starting to see Ganassi be a little bit human. We haven't seen that yet really from the 78. We haven't seen that yet um, as far as speed is concerned in the last six or eight weeks from Kyle Busch you know usually these teams they stay up there for a while we got to see that 42 car start to put it all together here again win a race and um really put it all together here again they go to Watkins Glen next week he's not a great road course racer but um i think that 42 team's still a factor no doubt about it but um i got to stay for them today as well but i think you brought up, brought up a great point just the fact that you know chevrolet's nowhere to be found um you know in hendrick this is a team that has We've seen them be up and down here recently. Looks like they're down a little bit. But i tell you another team that I've talked about in weeks past is Childress. I mean, the highest finishing Richard Childress racing car again today was Ryan Newman in 14th. Uh, Ty Dillon was 17th, if you want to group him in there. Michael McDowell, 18th. Pullman R, 19th. Austin Dillon, 21st. Another bad day for Richard Childress Racing. They just haven't seemed to get out of this little bit of a lull they're in right now. I think there needs to be some changes over there if they don't figure this out because right now none of those cars are championship contenders as we sit right now. And I don't think right now, other than the 48, because I'll never count them out, I don't think any of the Hendrick Motorsports cars right now are championship contenders other than the 48. Yes, Chase Elliott can turn it on and win some races, but we haven't seen him do that yet. The team runs very well. (laughs) Casey Kane won at Indianapolis, sure. That, you could say, was sort of a, you know, fluke. Dale Earnhardt Jr. in that 88 car, Dale spit on pit road again today, you know, get in the game a little bit here, come on, please, you have to be focused, you have to be, you have to figure it out, you have to be 100%, you have to be perfect, if you want to win these races, you can't speed on pit road, I'm sorry, you just can't do it, and I know it didn't really hurt his team that badly, because the car didn't have a whole lot of speed in it, but if the car does, you shouldn't be, either way, you shouldn't be speeding on pit road, so... Um, I think right now, as far as the Chevy camp is concerned, you have the 42 and a 48, as far as championship contenders goes, and that's it.
2: Yeah, Jimmy Johnson said after he uh, wrecked out of the race, he said uh, we're missing some a little bit of speed at Hendrick Motorsports, and they're not having the best of luck in the past few weeks. Um, he said we're getting close to the end of the season. You really like to see things get going, but let's look, at John. He's wrecked, still winning it over. He's wrecked four times, Kentucky, both Okinawa races, and last weekend at Indy. So that's not going to build any momentum, not going to get you those um, championship points that you need that carry over as they go through. Um, I don't think Casey Kane, I mean, he had an 11th place finish, which was okay. He picked up some points in the second stage, but... I don't think Kane did a whole heck of a lot to help himself going forward by wrecking his teammate out of the race. Um, I just don't know what's going on at Hendrick Motorsports. There's a lot of turmoil there. I mean, Junior has not run well at all since he announced that he was retiring, and he really didn't run that great before he announced he was retiring. Uh, Kane's been, like I said on uh, Wednesday this week, whenever we talked, he had a great turn one and a good pit pit strategy to get him to where he was up front. But he was a 10th, 11th place car most of the race at Indy. Um, there were so many wrecking out that it wound up moving him toward the front, and he had a great pit stop, great pit strategy call from his crew chief, and he h- ran a hell of a turn one to get past Keslowski on the restart. And then they wrecked right behind him. So, I mean, all he had to do was get through one and two, and he won the race. Other than that, Kane hasn't really done much. Uh, Chase Elliott's been consistent, but he still doesn't have what he needs to get into victory lane. I mean, everybody keeps saying, Chase Elliott's going to win some races. Chase Elliott's going to win some races. He's a year and a half in and hasn't won one yet. And he's not getting any closer to it.
0: Yeah, he's got to start putting together quick. You know, if he wants to be a championship contender this year, no doubt about it. 917 here. If you want to join the conversation on Talking in Circles, When you look at the Hendrick Motorsports cars, they're 7th, 11th, uh, 19th, and 22nd points. That's pretty surprising when you think about that. Uh, Also looking at the points, this win for Kyle Busch, it really doesn't change a whole lot as far as um, the championship content picture is. Busch is probably going to make the chase anyway, the playoffs, whatever you want to call him. He's going to make it anyway. He's fourth in the points. He was high enough in points where he's gonna make it, but he gets huge bonus points today, four of them, which is huge for him. Puts him back into the to a rank where listen, now he can sort of get start chasing that seventy eight team down as far as bonus points is concerned. He needs to, he needed to do that, but as we look at, at the playoffs here, and as we start chopping off drivers who don't have wins as far as the points are concerned, um, you know, let's look at it. you got two X obviously Larson Harvick. Bush, Kozlowski, Hamlin, they all got wins, as does Johnson, as does Blaney, as does Logano, Kurt Busch, Newman, Stenhouse, Kane, and Austin Villain. Um, so when you look at a lot of that stuff as far as who is in and who is out on, on the chase, I mean, Matt Kenseth is, is barely good. Then it's Clint Boyer who's out. Um then it's Eric Jones who who's needs to win. I think so does Daniel Suarez. Trevor Baines not going to win, I don't think, this year. I don't think you're going to see a win out of Dale Earnhardt Jr. this year. So a lot of big-name guys could be missing this chase. Also, I keep always keep forgetting you got Logano who is outside looking in and another disastrous day for that 22 car. I don't know if Joey's just frustrated with how this team's been running because they didn't have a lot of speed today, but Man, the mistakes he made today weren't very good either. Um, really hurts his chances at a championship. So, a lot of big name guys, Logano, Earnhardt, Bain, uh, Eric Jones, could be missing this, this chase here,
2: John. Yeah, there's um, there's all kinds of things that could happen. I mean, and I wouldn't lock myself in if I've got a win. I mean, if I'm Austin Dillon, I'm starting to sweat because you've got some races where there's wild cards that can happen. The favorite for the race is AJ Allmendinger, who is not even close to making the making the chase with points. Then you have Bristol where again, it's one of those self-cleaning race tracks. One person makes a mistake, they could take out five contenders and somebody who isn't up front could end up winning the winning a race. I mean, we still have the shot at more than 16 winners. I mean, Darlington's a wild card race. Then you have Richmond where everybody's going to be, if you're not in, they're going to try everything possible, every strategy move possible, possibly playing bumper cars to get themselves into the chase. It's going to be interesting to see who winds up being in the playoffs whenever we hit Chicagoland in mid-September.
0: Very. It's going to be wild to see how that plays out with these 16 drivers. Um, what did you think, John, today? A little bit of an interesting, different format scenario, however you want to say, schedule. A little bit of different schedule at Pocono this weekend. They did two practice sessions on Saturday and then qualified in a race today on Sunday. A little bit of qualifying before. Listen, I was at Pocono today. I thought the crowd at Pocono was tremendous compared to what we've seen everywhere else. I was there in June, a little disappointed in the crowd in June. Today, the crowd I thought was very good. Wasn't a sellout. I don't think there was, it wasn't, you know, uh, people sitting on top of each other. But I thought a very, very respectable crowd at Pocono, much, like I said, much better than what we saw in June. Could qualifying have anything to do with that? It's possible. Maybe people thought they could get a better, uh, you know, bigger bang for their buck watching qualifying and the race on Sunday. Uh, But what did you think of the overall format from sitting at home, John, uh, and watching it on television as far as the format goes? with qualifying and racing on the same day.
2: I really like it. I think um, I really don't like the way they do it on qualify Friday and then they have another four hours or three hours to get their car tuned in on Saturday. I like the fact you practice, then you qualify and you come off the qualifying uh, spot and you go race. The only thing I didn't like about it is the pit stalls were determined by qualifying at Indianapolis last week. I think it should have been you qualify. Okay. Now you mark your pits and there you go. I, I think it's better, a better show. You qualify what you, you, you qualify what you're going to race instead of having some trick qualifying set up on Friday where you're trying to get everything you can out of the car. And then you have a whole day to totally revamp the car before you race it on Sunday. I think it's great that they qualify the way they're going to run. I think it may have added some more people to the seats. I mean, one of the things that Pocono I've always looked at is the stands are one thing they've always, um, struggled to fill up the, the grandstands, but I'm telling you that infield looked pretty solid from whenever you looked at the overhead, whenever they shot from the, uh, camera above that infield looked pretty packed in there a lot of campers a lot of great uh fun that goes on the infield so i I think the pocono crowd was great i think the racing was great i think one of the things that they learned since they had the stages the first go around when they ran in june i think by the time they came back they had a better idea of what how the stages were going to play out and it changed there was like four or five different strategies that the leaders were playing so I think it added to the drama of the race.
1: Oh,
0: absolutely. I think when you look at... Also, I think qualifying did. I mean, a lot of people thought, well, they're going to pit on lap 20 and sort of break those stages in... Or 25, 20 to 25, and break those stages in half a little bit. But they came earlier than that in the first stage. Partially because of that lap one caution, I think it sort of got the guys at least in the rear of the field where they could come in and top off a little bit. But also because, you know, you only had... You know, the guys in front ran probably five, six laps at Pocono, 10 miles of of qualifying. Um, So that was huge, you know, and they also had that on their tires. So when they pitted, they pitted early, and it sort of changed the game up a little bit compared to where we were in June when we didn't do that. Uh, As far as the qualifying is concerned on the same day, uh, I think it was a little bit disorganized in the infield. That's where I was. Um, And I don't think it's anything that Pocono Raceway did. I don't think it's their fault. I just think it was the first time. I mean, I read on Twitter today, and I don't know if this was fact or not, but the first time we had qualifying on the same day as the race since Richmond when they had second-round qualifying in 2000 on the same day as the race. Um, So it's sort of new for everybody. You know, 17 years was a long, long time to have that happen. Um, I think it was sort of new for Pocono Raceway. They weren't sure how to handle it, how to keep the fans who bought tickets for infield passes and to walk on pit road whether they should keep them at a pit road did they keep them out a pit road when the cars are going by do they how do they go about that I thought it was a little bit disorganized there as far as that's concerned um but like I said I think it's cool it was cool to to watch the cars in qualifying I think it was cool to follow along and see who was quick and who wasn't uh, it was nice to see cars on track twice. It was nice to see the drivers come out of their cars and sign autographs. So that was kind of cool. Um, and I do agree with you. I think it's what we've seen in Xfinity and trucks as far as what we call impound races where they qualify and then they race on the same day. It could work in Cup. I wasn't a big fan of it because I thought that, well, it's a little bit different. It was a little different. I wasn't. I like the fact that you could have a qualifying setup, but that's well away from me now. I think it's going to save teams money. I'm all listen. I think there's way too much practice time right now on these racetracks with all the technology we have. I think practice needs to be cut down, um, and if these teams just simply focus on race trim, maybe the practices can get cut down a little bit. I think that'd be a good step in the right direction for NASCAR. Um, so overall, I, I, I like it. I think it'd be cool to. I definitely try it again. We're going to see how it goes next weekend. Also at Watkins Glen. Um, but an interesting schedule, no doubt about it, from Pocono. Um, what were your final thoughts here and the Cup race here, John, at Pocono Raceway? Um, what were your final thoughts before we move on?
2: I think uh, we saw what we sort of expected was going to happen sooner or later. We Kyle Bush has run great throughout the season. Uh, it was just a matter of time before everything clicked, and they tried a different strategy, which almost bit them in the butt, but they had such a great car that they were able to drive through the field. Um, Kind of discouraged by the way Chevy's running. And I mean, you think at one point um, last year, everybody was griping that Stuart Haas and Hendrick Motorsports were not sharing notes and everything. And now this year, Stuart Haas is driving a Ford, And Hendrick Chevys just don't seem to have it. I don't think they have four good cars in the Chevy camp that they can compare notes with that Hendrick Motorsports used to have. Um, I think it's something that may be playing into the way Hendrick Motorsports is struggling throughout the summer months. But then again, you can never count Jimmy Johnson out. He struggles in the summer no matter what. It's It's one of those things that's always happened with Johnson. He struggled in the summer. He gets his wins in the spring. It's like they play games in the summer and try to get themselves set for the chase and then when playoff time comes on, look out the light bulb the light switch goes on, and here comes the forty eight um, I'm encouraged by the Fords, but it just seems like they're missing a little something because the forty i mean the seventy eight and the eighteen just seem to be in a different zip code right now.
0: yeah, and I think there's no doubt bringing back to the Fords here quick. I think there's no doubt since Logano's win, Team Penske has not been where they were. Um, And I've said it before, and I don't mean to throw people under the bus, but if this stays the way it is with this 22 car, with how he's been running, I wouldn't be surprised to see changes over there. Just because it's just gone so bad. I mean, today, again, we saw that team, and this is a team that consistently usually runs in the top ten, we saw them outside of top 15 and getting outrun by cars they shouldn't be outrun by. That's very alarming. And Logano had issues coming into pit road. It was a bad day for him as well. Um, and you can say, well, it's a bad day for sure. You say one day is, you know, it can't be perfect every day. Ryan Blaney had issues today, but that's you know, not a big deal because he doesn't have issues every week. This 22 car seems to have some issues now. Um, and they they just don't have the speed. And that is what really would concern me. It's not that they're a little bit off. They're really, really far off. And they, I, I think for them, they don't even need to win a championship to have this season, at the end of the second half of this season, a success. Well, all they need is to find the speed they've lost. If they can do that in this second half, then you sit there and go, okay, that 22 team, it doesn't matter if they win a championship because they were so far off, there's no chance they were going to win. But at least we start feeling better about ourselves here in the second half of the season. That's how far off this 22 team is. I don't even know if they're going to make the chase, but you got to right the ship here because that team has just been so far off. It's, it's alarming. It's noticeable. I wouldn't be surprised to see changes if this keeps up through Darlington, through Richmond, through um, Richmond. That's just how bad that 22 car has been speed-wise. here to join the conversation on Talking in Circles. It was a triple-header triple weekend, uh, two races at Pocono, one at Iowa. And the Iowa race uh, at Pocono, I think it was the um, – or excuse me, the Iowa race, the U.S. Cellular 250 at Iowa Speedway this weekend, um, was a good race. A lot of no-cup guys in it because the Cup guys were in Pocono, so that makes it an Xfinity Series race. You see a lot of good drivers drivers who are Xfinity Series regulars, drivers you don't see often running up front. J.J. Yelly, on the day, on the week after Mark Smith dies, he finishes sixth. Great run for him. But the feel-good story of the day, no doubt about it, but 141 laps, Ryan Priest in the Joe Gibbs race, number 20, goes out and wins. This is the kid who does who is a extremely talented race car driver. Um, Does everything right in the Whalen series. Whalen Modified series is a superstar in that series. Goes out and wins at Iowa this weekend, John. Great run for him, great win, and a a step in the right direction for me as far as the Xfinity series goes.
2: I think the uh, interesting tale, I was listening to Ryan Priest talk after the race, and he said that they used all the sponsorship money that they had running for JD Motorsports last year to get the two races at Joe Gibbs racing. And he finished second at new Hampshire and he won at Iowa. And he didn't just win at Iowa. The only two people who led any kind of laps were him and Justin Allgaier priest led 141 Allgaier led a little over a hundred, but priest just dominated the race and he beat Kyle Benjamin with older tires on. So, I mean, he showed how good of a driver he is. He's one of those guys who took the step back from driving for an underfunded affinity team, went back to Modifieds, and figured, I'll bring my sponsorship that I can and try to get two races at Joe Gibbs Racing where they needed somebody because they couldn't put a uh, cup guy into it. Priest has been great. I'd love to see – even Steve O'Donnell tweeted out, this guy needs a full-time ride. And that's your uh, vice president of competition for NASCAR saying, hey, this kid's a real deal. Someone needs to put him in a ride. And the problem is he only has two races worth of sponsorship. He got two races and he finished second and first. When are we going to get to the point where it gets to what it used to be, where if you were a good driver, the team found sponsorship to sponsor you and make it worthwhile? Here's the guy who brought his own sponsorship to the table to fill two races where they couldn't put a cup guy in it, and he's been phenomenal. And if I'm Coach Gibbs, I get my marketing department out there trying to find a way to put this guy in a car full-time next year.
0: Well, it's funny because a lot of people have said it was a feel-good win, and I agree. Listen, I think Ryan Priest is a very talented race car driver, and I'm not going to say go out and and make the assumption, well, if he gets in a big-time ride, he's going to go out and win the championship. But what he deserves from his time in the Wheel of Modified Series is a good shot. That's what he deserves. Um, and not, like you said, that, where he doesn't have to bring a whole ton of money to the situation. And he's proven, he proved this week he can drive in the Xfinity Series with his win. But to me, what, what this is, you know, everybody's saying this is a big win for Ryan Priest. And it is, no doubt about it. He wins his first Xfinity Series. race. does a great job, gets his name out there. But what this mean, What this win will mean to him, we will find out in the next couple of months, ne- next year. If he goes out and he says, listen, I only got two races next year, we're going to say, well, who cares? I mean, Sam Hornish Jr., driving for Joe Gibbs Racing, won an Iowa race last year and didn't get anything out of it. He got a couple races at Penske. I know Sam Hornish Jr. is, you know, an older driver. But he was a guy that was a big time driver in, in in IndyCar, and he thought, well, maybe if he wins the race, he can get at least back in the Xfinity Series. He didn't. Um, I hope for Ryan Priest it's a different scenario for him. I hope things change. I know they're going to probably limit the uh, cup guys even more next year, so that gives guys like Ryan Priest an opportunity, guys like Kyle Benjamin, who finished in a second spot. Good run for him as well at Joe Gibbs Racing Team. that gives those guys opportunities. Um, and I think that's what this Xfinity Series needs to be focused on more. You know, they're spoken for the last five, six years that the names are made here. And we laugh because we see Kyle Busch, you know, win 20, 15 races in a year and lead 90% of the laps. And you say, well, names aren't made there because they're not doing anything. Um, I think this is a step in the right direction for the Xfinity Series. I think you saw the positivity at, on social media after this race. Ryan Priest, Ryan Priest. Because that's what people say. This kid deserves to be in the Xfinity Series, he deserves to be in a top ride. He's done everything he's had done in the, in the well Modified Series to get a good ride, other than the fact that he doesn't have deep pockets behind him. Hopefully, like you said, this will get him into a good ride, um, and this win will be huge. Because if it doesn't, then you, you'll look at this and you'll sit there and go, it really doesn't matter where these guys run. The only thing that matters is money. So I hope it changes Ryan Priest's f- future a lot, but that remains to be seen here, John.
2: I think one of the things you look at is the difference between a cup team and cup drivers. Kyle Busch has dominated whenever he runs in the Xfinity Series. Eric Jones has done really well when he runs the Xfinity Series. Um, Joey Logano or Brad Kozlowski or Ryan Blaney have done really well when they run in the Xfinity Series. Because they're driving for Penske, Gibbs, Um, and then you think about it. The top two cars were Joe Gibbs racing cars between Priest and Benjamin. Brian Scott, this is the first race he's run all year, finishes third for Childers. Brennan Poole running for uh, Ganassi fourth, Cole Custer for Stuart Haas fifth. You look, the top five are CUP teams that have Xfinity programs. The first real Xfinity guy you saw was J.J. Yaley who used to be a cup guy but I mean he's driving for Mark Smith's team at TriStar Motorsports and I think it's phenomenal that Yaley finished in the top 10 the week that Mark Smith passed away and we still, our thoughts and prayers are with Mark Smith's family and the TriStar Motorsports team but Hendricks driving for Childress in 7th Blake Cook I mean, basically, he's a um, team almost, and he's in eighth. Byron and Brandon Jones, your top ten, pretty much everybody's a cup guy, a cup team, or a cup-supported team, other than J.J. Yaley driving for TriStar. I think um, it's great to see the guys who you hope to develop into your next level of stars in the Cup Series driving well in the Xfinity. But I mean, it it made a better show with no Kyle Busch, no Kislowski, no Logano, no Kyle Larson. I think it was great seeing the Ryan Priest's of the world, the Kyle Benjamins of the world, even Brian Scott, who, like I said, first race he's run all year, come back and uh, run strong for Childers, finishing third.
1: Yeah, it, it's just
0: refreshing. I think that's all you got to say. And you know, I've said this for years, and people who say, well, you shouldn't ban the Cup drivers. I understand where they're coming from, but, and Cup guys have always gone down and won races and stuff like that, but these races at Iowa, for example, um, we used to see a lot more of these in the Xfinity Series. You know, for example, they used to run P, they used to run uh, at the Milwaukee Mile, they used to run just non-companion events in the Xfinity Series, and it's sort of like I said, it was a, fresh, a, fresh, a breath of fresh air, if I can speak correctly. Um, you know, and the companion events were here and there, and they were interesting because they were companion events, but they weren't all the time like they are now. So I think even a step further is get away from the companion events. Now, there's a lot of business behind that with the racetracks. The racetracks want to sell out a whole weekend. Like this weekend at Pocono, you you are able to sell to the campers. Not only do you have a Cup race, you have a truck race, and you have the ARCA race on Friday. Um, and I think these racetracks around the country want to do that. They want to get, they want to sell an entire weekend to their fans. You don't really see, you won't really see the non You won't really see the companion races go away. Um, so with that, I think there needs to be a limit in the Cup Series these Cup Series drivers need to have a limit. Absolutely. I think it's a great move. Um, And that's my stance on it. I think, you know, 15 years ago you really didn't need it, but right now you do because all these racetracks, these big racetracks are now owned by corporations who look at it from a business standpoint Who say, well, three days, if I can sell three days at a racetrack, it's better than one day. Um, But it was refreshing to see not only a, You know, Xfinity Series guy sort of win the race, but an Xfinity Series race away from the Cup Series. I think that was kind of cool to to watch as well. Um, You know, and it was great to see Ryan Priest win and and Joe Gibbs racing, finishing one-two with two young kids. I think that was great to see. Uh, It was a doubleheader weekend at Pocono. John NASCAR Camping World Truck Series also ran Pocono Raceway. Christopher Bell took the victory in the. Overton's 150. Uh, this kid, Bell, John, this is his fourth win of the year. He's turning into a superstar, this kid. And I know the race um, changed a lot when Kyle Busch got taken out, no doubt about it. It was a quick race at Pocono, but it changed a lot when, when uh, there was some contact between Justin Haley and Kyle Busch and sent Kyle Busch into the outside wall. But Christopher Bell, this kid's turning into a superstar, his fourth win of the year, and another win for that team. Uh, Toyota swept weekend here, John. What are your thoughts on the truck series race at Pocono?
2: Um, I'm really a big fan of Christopher Bell. Um, And it's really interesting that this week he's going, this next weekend, or the first weekend of August, well, yeah, next weekend, he's going to be running the 360 Knoxville Nationals as a team car with Tony Stewart out there. So I think it's really interesting that Bell just doesn't give up. He he's running every chance he can. I think it was great to see Ryan Truex run well in the truck, finishing third. Um, John Hunter Nemechek. He was solid again, top five finish. Um, I think the truck race was interesting. I mean, Justin Haley getting into Kyle Busch probably changed the way it wound up was way it was going to be because it probably would have been Bush running away with things, but Bell was solid, Sauter was solid. He re- he led twelve laps out of the sixty, but I mean, Bell is going to be somebody you got to watch for whenever it comes uh, championship time. There's nobody that's got more wins. He's going to walk in with more um, playoff points than anybody else. Whenever they start this thing up, and I think he's, um, it's going to take a lot for him not to win the championship. But I think it was great for Truex to run well. Him and um, uh Zipidelli, his little brother um, Scott, Scott. Zippadelli, they're wound, they're they're getting on the same page. They keep getting better from week to week. They keep growing, and they only have a couple trucks that they consider really worthwhile. I mean, they he said uh, after before uh, on Friday he said we have five trucks and we destroyed the one we really liked. And um, it's now a show truck, so we bought, b- built a sister truck to it. And when they only got five trucks that they're going through their inventory, if you destroy one, that's two weeks of uh, preparing all the other trucks while you're rebuilding one. So I mean, it was a great race for them, great for John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, I really like the trucks whenever it isn't Kyle Busch taking up the show, which he tried to do and unfortunately got into it with Justin Haley.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I thought it was a very quick race. I'm not sure if they're gonna, with the stages, you know, 15 laps. It makes it 15, 15, and then 30 it makes it come, to me very quick. Uh, I don't know if they'll think about expanding that race a little bit. Um, but you're right. I think Christopher Bell is the odds-on favorite for this championship in the Truck Series. He has been fast every week. I think Chase Briscoe is going to give him a chance, a, a shot at it. Same with Sauter, and maybe John Hunter Nemechek be the dark horse there. Truex, we got to see. I think we have got to see them win. If they could pull off some a, a win here in the next few races, I think he could be a championship contender for sure, but we haven't seen that team run that well yet. Thor Sport seems to be a little bit behind. Crafting got his win on dirt last week. That was a huge win for him because I just don't think that team is where they need to be as far as championship contending is concerned. But, listen, Ben Rhodes has done very well in that truck this year. You know, there's a kid that uh, struggled a lot last year, but he's he's turned it on here of of late. Another – Nice second-place run. He had a race earlier in the year, and I forget where it was. I think it was Texas, where if he, if he doesn't have a mechanical failure, he probably goes to victory lane. So that 27 truck has really been fast this year at times. That's good to see if you're a Thor Sport fan. Cody Coughlin got one of his best runs of the year in eighth. Um, so Thor Sport may be picking it up here a little bit. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's a good race. It's nice to see these names as well, names that you don't normally see every week. Um, as far as the Cup Series is concerned, in the Cup Series, it's nice to see these guys running up front and contending for wins in the Camping World Truck Series. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero to join the conversation. We got Lee in
1: Virginia joining the show.
0: Hello, Lee. What do you want to talk about
1: tonight? It's basically the weekend of racing at at Po no? in, in Iowa. What do you think uh, of of same day qualifying? I thought it was awesome. I think uh, you know if I was if I was a fan, and I bought a ticket. I think I'd really really enjoy sitting there for everything. And and I think John was right when he said you know there was an uptick in attendance. I think there's no question we saw an uptick in, in attendance for that race in Pocono. We'll see. It's going to be hard again to see whether or not there's more attendance at, at Watkins Glen just because a there's only one race there and b it's a road course. But I think you know who's going to Pocono's in the middle of nowhere who's going to drive all the way out to Pocono on a Friday other than, you know, me and you to go watch qualifying. Not many people are going to do that. So if, if it's the same day as the race, they'll, they'll be like, Oh, cool. We can see him qualify and race. And they will be in the stands for both of them. I think you definitely will see more people show up for it. And I think it was a lot of fun. I think, I think that's what you saw today.
2: You're right, Lee. I think it made yeah. for a much fuller day for the person in a, the person in the crowd. Um, I was one of those guys I used to have to drive up Friday because when I worked at the uh Daily Herald in Tyrone, you had to pick up your press passes on Friday. So we'd drive the 3 hours from Central Pennsylvania to Pocono, to the middle of nowhere, and then you turn right to get to the racetrack after you go to the middle of nowhere. But you had to be up there for qualifying and then you drive the 3 hours back and you go back for practice. I mean, it was a lot of back and forth and I was getting paid to do it. For the person who just sitting there It's, it's gotta be, um, a bigger, you got to give them more bang for their buck. I mean, Friday, you're right. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason to even go on a Friday because half the time in practice, they're doing qualifying runs. Anyhow, I think they ran practice on Saturday. They ran the truck race on Saturday, getting everything set up for Sunday. And then you qualify and race on the same day and they end up racing what they qualified. Instead of having some trick set up for qualifying, they raced what they brought. And I think it was much better by doing it this way. And you could see in the crowd, it wasn't like there was, I mean, there was some empty spots, but it wasn't like it was the 38 drivers, their immediate family, and a couple cousins showed up to watch the race like it's been at some places. I mean, Indy was just embarrassing when it came to the crowd. You go to Pocono; it's the middle of nowhere. You're right, but it was a real nice crowd. The infield was pretty packed, uh, campers galore. The grandstands weren't bad, and it was a great show today.
1: No doubt. And
0: I, again, again, I thought being there uh, in the infield, I said this earlier. I thought it was a little disorganized, but it's nothing that where well, I thought it was too crazy that can't be fixed by just experience and by by just living it and doing it and you know like I said this was the first time we've had this in over 17 years probably um, we had qualifying on the same day I think once you get into sort of a where it becomes a well-oiled machine people will start to accept it um, I think it was cool to see the drivers after qualifying sort of discussing their qualifying run um, so yeah it was definitely different. You know, the thing you have to keep in mind here, too, though, is, and this is something that changes, and this is, this could, I wouldn't say hurt, but this is a different change, is where I was in the garage, I was looking at the garage today at Pocono, and you really couldn't see the teams working on the race cars, because they had to be out in the grid for qualifying. A little different. Um, I think people like seeing teams, you know, the the camaraderie with the team working uh, on the race cars. They were on the grid for most of them. And if they weren't on the grid, they were going through inspection. Inspection's cool to watch. People were all into inspection. If you want to make that the sort of show for the infield, that's fine. But the fact that I couldn't see my team working on my guy's race car was a little different. Something I can live without. But I think something that maybe the, the casual fan or the car junkie usually likes to see. And that's another change you got to keep in mind here as the same day qualifying is concerned. Um, Lee, what did you think about the whole race at Pocono? Um, Kyle Bush winning. you think Toyota is sort of figuring it out here? And are they the favorites? Bush, the 78 team, are they the two favorites to really run for this championship in 2017?
1: Well you still can't count out you still can't count out Jimmy Johnson. And you can't count out uh Kyle Larson. You know, those those are Chevrolet teams that I think are definitely threats and favorites. Um the Toyota's are rearing their head. I think Denny Hammond had a good run again today. I think he's one that's a sleeper. But I think definitely Kyle is, is the one Kyle Bush is the one to watch for sure. Um you know uh, I'm trying to think of the other Toyotas there. You know, Jones is a rookie, and, and, and Matt Kenseth just seems to be off a little bit. You know, they were off again today. They they spun out on lap one. And then, uh, you know, Houston didn't have a decent finish, but not a great finish. And, you know, you've got to wonder if they're going to win and get into the playoffs on um, points anyway. And that's really what, what the interesting part is, is the points. You know, Kyle got a win now, and we have 13 winners, um, 14 if you count Joey Logano, and, and you still got to believe that they're going to win. It could shake everything up. Now it didn't today, really, because Kyle was in anyway. But uh, it, it, to me, that's the interesting part is is where we are with the winners right now. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that. As far as the winners are
0: concerned, it's going to be nuts. Um, you know, and like I said, Logano is a team that I'm really concerned about. Uh, his wins encumbered. I don't see him making this chase. I don't see the 88 car making this chase at all. Uh, another disappointing day for them today. I know he finished 11th, and you say, well, that's not too bad, too, or 12th, excuse me, and that's not too, too bad, but they're still way off from where they got to be. they got to win races. If this was a points day and he he can get in on his points, I'd say, you know what, it's a is a decent day. At least you didn't wreck. You finished the race. But he's got to win. And I think a lot of these teams in the back, you know, Paul Menard, a lot of those guys uh, – I think it's it's a good step in the right direction for um, the chase. I think winning races is now put an emphasis it's now really emphasized as far as um, you win, and you're in. I mean, it is that you know we're not seeing guys making it in on points anymore. Points are still very important though because you get the bonus points at the end of the races at the end of the regular season, and that's things people are missing on, out on. Um, did you find it curious, John, the 78 car, they were winning stage two. They had stage two in the bag, and they pitted right before the stage ended um, to sort of put themselves in an opportunity to win the race. And they cost themselves really a stage point to do that. Did you think that was sort of a, a gamble that they could afford because they were so high how far ahead they are everybody? And did you oh, like without that a doubt. strategy, did you like that strategy from Cole Pern?
2: Without a doubt, they were going for the win, and I do like that strategy because um, Cole Pern and the '78 team with Martin Truex Jr. Their job right now is to get as many wins as they can. I think they want to keep as many of these guys from winning as possible. If I'm Cole Pern and Martin Truex Jr. I don't want to take the chance of Joey Logano getting in. I don't want to take the chance of junior getting in. I want to keep the 13 winners that we have, have the other guys fight it out for points. Because if you look at some of the winners we've had so far, Casey Kane is not making it to the second round. Austin Dillon is not making it to the second round. Ryan Newman is not making it to the second round. And because they've run 15th to 20th throughout the year and somehow got themselves a win. I think it's smart move on Cole Pern's part, because if I'm them, I want to win every race possible to take any chances of Joey Logano, not getting in the chase and getting hot. Now, one of the things I want to talk to you guys about, um, I read this article by Brant James with, Kyle Larson and Chip Ganassi racing with Target not coming back. They were with Chip for 28 years in IndyCar and pulled out this year, and they were with Chip since he got into NASCAR, and they've announced that they're not coming back to the 42 car next year. One of the things that Brant James brought up, it isn't just Target pulling out of Ganassi, but one of the things Target used as a reason for pulling out of Ganassi is they want to sponsor soccer. And both of us, all three of us complained a couple weeks ago that the truck race at Eldora, which I think all three of us think is one of the best races on the circuit all season, was on Fox Business Network. What do you guys think? Is NASCAR falling behind soccer in the United States? Lee, you go first.
1: I think it's falling behind in the ratings. I'm not sure it's falling behind in the United States. I think you know NASCAR went through a spurt ten years ago where it was the fastest growing spectator sport in the country. I think soccer is going to do that too. People are very trendy. People do not think on their own. People, you know, especially with social media and their phones and everything else, people follow what they think is cool and what they, you know, they don't know really what they like because they just follow what what's cool. And right now, soccer is cool. And and I guess I guess I, I don't I don't watch it, but I guess it is. Um, and it, it'll have its time. Maybe, you know, I, I think NASCAR will come back. I think it'll be stronger. Um, and are we falling behind soccer? I think it's even with us right now. Um, and you know, it's the camping World truck series, which is the third tier. I would think that the monster energy series would, would rank over, uh, a soccer game targets doing that because listen, that Minnesota demographic, I'm sure doesn't really where they're, where they're based. Isn't really a hotbed for motorsports, so they're just changing their uh, their their marketing structure. Yeah, and I think it is a concern. I mean,
0: it was interesting timing of a tweet by I think NASCAR's marketing head of marketing to say, "Hey, you know, we have more Fortune 500 companies in NASCAR today than we did." 10, 15 years ago, and that fact, I'm sure, is true. I don't think he lied to anybody by saying that, Um, but the amount of money these these companies spend in NASCAR has gone down a little bit as far as, you know, we used to see a lot of Fortune 500 companies on cars full-time, and now you might see them in a race or two. Um, So that is different, and... I think NASCAR needs to sort of figure out a way to get these viewers back on television. Um, Whether or not these people are consuming the, the races differently, it's possible, but NASCAR needs to figure out a way to sort of show that to the public. You know, if you say, and this is what they've come out and said, well, people are, digitally or watching these races digitally okay well then give us the, the number of how many people watched on the Fox Go app how many people watched on the NASCAR mobile app I'm sure there's numbers that can do that give us that so maybe these companies look at it and go wow we're getting that much exposure um, you know the article also pointed out too that Kyle Larson's TV time this year was worth 111 million dollars I mean that's very good for a company. I think that's an easy sell to a company to say, hey, listen, um, we want to be on the the 42 car. But the problem with NASCAR is that usually, you know, we saw, for example, Bill Davis lost Caterpillar to Richard Childress Racing. These bigger teams get these sponsors. They usually don't have the sponsor issues. It's the smaller teams that usually have the sponsor issues because the bigger teams sort of gobble up the sponsorship and say, well, we don't really care about the little little teams. And then all of a sudden the field starts to shrink a little bit. Uh, Does that hurt competition? I think it does at the end of the day. So there's a lot of things to consider here. But at the end of the day, I don't think we're losing to soccer. I just think soccer is sort of in a, you know, you could sell more soccer games, for example, on FS1 because there's so many of them when you only got really – three NASCAR races a week. I think mean, that's a big factor in it as well. Um, what are your thoughts on it,
2: John? Well, I was just going through and I'm looking at it whenever we talk sponsorship, let alone thinking of the soccer thing. But let's, I mean, whenever you said Clayton, a lot of the small teams go away because like Bill Davis lost Caterpillar to Richard Childers. Right now, the one, five, 10, 12 for next year 14, 20, 41, 42, 78, and 27, because nobody knows what's happening with the 27 at Childress, all have open slots for sponsorship, and each one of those is a big-time ride. So, Lee, what do you think we should do about it? How How do we get it to where the sponsorship means something to these Fortune 500 companies who we need for NASCAR?
1: I think it, you're seeing a change right now in the in the way the sponsorship is coming. I think you're going to see a. I think right now the teams are are overpricing, overvaluing their car, or their sponsorship, and they the teams are looking at it and saying, "We need you know twenty million dollars to be competitive." I think if you say we need ten million dollars to be competitive, uh, it it'd be a lot easier to sell sponsorship. I think. It's going through a, a transitional phase right now, and it's going to take a little bit for it to write itself within the next three or four years. But I think it eventually will write itself. And, um, you know, the price won't be the, the numbers won't be the same as, as what they were selling, but you'll see the race is sold, if that makes sense.
2: I agree with yeah, you, no, Lee. I think that's one of the issues we're running into because if you look at it, Uh, With Keselowski's contract, one of the things that was probably the sticking point is Brad probably got less money to drive for Penske than he did in his previous contract. And I think the driver's contracts are going to start dropping. I think the sponsorships are going to start undercutting each other because there's only so many sponsorships that are going around anymore. And I think it's one of those things where NASCAR is still trying to live off of their big growth spurt in the early 2000s.
1: Yeah,
0: and there's no doubt the costs have to come down. I think these bigger teams um, have priced out the little guys, you know, and I think it was evident this weekend even when you think about what happened with Joe Gibbs Racing and Furniture Oil Racing when Joe Gibbs Racing proved that they basically, the bigger teams basically run this sport by suspending somebody from Furniture Oil Racing, Um They've priced the little guys out, and I think we're going to start to see that go away. We've already started. Hendrick Motorsports was thrilled with their satellite relationship with Stuart Haas Racing. And that's part of the reason why I think Stuart Haas Racing left, that Hendrick didn't really replace him. Uh, maybe that's happening over there at Joe Gibbs Racing, and I think if these teams sort of break up, you start to see the cost come down. I think that would be huge for it, because I think when things comes in packages and bunches, they cost a lot more. And I think Joe Gibbs Racing, for example, like I said, with these pit crew guys, how many teams run pit Joe Gibbs Racing Pick crews? We don't really know, but you know the 77 and 78 do, and that's six teams right there that pay Joe Gibbs Racing just for pit crews. So if we lower the cost of everything else, maybe Furniture Racing will say, hey, you know what, we have our own guys. We can worry about our own guys here and sort of branch off. I think that would help the sport, but I think as the money's gone up and as the, you know, uh, technology has gone up to spend big it – ha- it makes the money go up. So I think that's a that's a big-time thing. And I think it will come down here in the next five years. And uh, But you guys are right. I think you're right on the head, both of you, where you say everything's going to have to come down. Driver salaries, not that about it. I think even team budgets ex- will have to come down enormously in order for it to work. Um, I want to thank Lee and Virginia for the call. Awesome call. John Harlow always great. You're always great. I uh, appreciate what you do for the show. We're going to be back here Wednesday on Talking Circles. We're going to be discussing all the hot topics. Still some silly season news out there. Who's going to be driving the 10 car? Will that be answered this week? We'll find that out. What about Richard Childress Racing's third car? We might be able to find that out as well. Good night, everybody, and we'll see you on Wednesday on Talking Circles.